I'm Lorraine and I'm black. I'm Sarah and I'm Jewish. We're going back to school to learn some basic black and Jewish stuff we should totes already know. Let's get learned up. just wearing a boy t-shirt makes you feel a little badder yeah a little more interesting pretty much yeah i've gifted my brother some t-shirts and then just re-gifted them to myself very smart and um i'm thinking of one in particular it's a really dope amsterdam shirt i got it when i started abroad in amsterdam and i was like i'm gonna get this give this adam it has like a cool bike on it and then i just took it back and now wear it it's in la with me it's it's not very, not oh, very nice. Very special thank you to Adam Isaacson yeah. for Thanks giving again. us some <laughs> sick music. And please, please continue to be my brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lorraine, it was your birthday since we last saw each other. It was my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Did you have a good one? I did. It was actually really, really good. And I'm not like just saying that because I'm on mic. Um, okay. The last time that I was this happy on my birthday was when I was five years old. <gasps> Wait, that's both really cute and very sad. I know, but but it's good because I was so happy on my fifth birthday. My It happened to land in the middle of spring break when I was in like kindergarten or pre-K or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my parents took us to Disney World and I thought that they were taking us for my birthday. Oh. Like I was, you know, like yeah, a, a child. So I thought everything was because of me. And then on my actual birthday, my parents took me to breakfast with Mickey. That's like a thing you can do there. Oh. And my dad was like introducing me to all the characters. So I thought that my dad was like well connected and like had special he friends. He made some calls. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like really overwhelmed. I was like, how did he know that these are my idols? Like these are the people I wanted to meet. Like, guys, thank you so much. Exactly. So I was over the moon and my my head was just so big as a five-year-old. And there was really no way to top that birthday. It just wasn't going to happen. Like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're just getting more and more jaded birthday-wise. And I and yeah, it was the like, years up to double digits. You're like, it weighs heavy on you. Exactly. You know? So I was like pretty confident I was never going to feel like that again. But then like this year happened and there were just all these surprises. Like I didn't um, I didn't like plan a, a serious party. I didn't like do anything to like get attention. But I just got so many nice, very personal text messages. And me and my boyfriend took a trip up the coast and we went to Hearst Castle. And there were just all these, <laughs> there were just along the way, there were all these things that were just like, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this. And it just made my brain like explode with happiness. I just felt great. That is lovely. It was um, nice. Thanks for asking about side it. Side note, how was Hearst Castle? Because I've been wanting to go. That place as is weird and wonderful as it looks. The weirdest place oh I've ever seen. I just like okay, all right, a couple things. One, the architecture is nuts. Like yeah. none of it matches. It's totally crazy. It's like gaudy over the top. Yeah, it's just busy. Yeah, it, it looks like like uh, like what a hoarder would do. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it just looks insane. And then the people giving the tours don't say anything to, like, criticize the Hearst family. They're just like, yeah, you know, he wanted what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. That you couldn't get in the way of that guy. And I'm like, guys, just say what you're thinking. Yeah. This he is was tacky as hell. Yeah, this is hideous. But it was fun and funny. I would go back. Um, great. 
What about you? What's new? Uh, I went to Palm Springs um, and hashtag girl crew, hashtag girl crew, chilling with my girl crew. Yeah, we all uh, I thought it would be fun to get to buy T-shirts for all of us from H&M that say girl crew and have like a lot of feminine like emojis kind of on them, like lipstick and like, yeah, I don't know. They feel like there was like nail polish or something. Because I was with you at the H&M when you got them and you were like, should I? And I'm like, you have to. Why not? You have to. By the way, it was a big hit. And yeah, and I felt I'm like so glad it, I did. and what I said to you and I stand by it was like if these girls said no, there is a girl crew who wants those. Yeah, in I your will life. find my LA girl crew or like, you know. So when I saw that Instagram pic, I was like, hell yeah, that's a good crew. It Don't really lose out. them. It really worked out. Um, yeah, I love Palm Springs. Bury me there. And um, <laughs> oh, I also wanted to let you know a couple things since our last record. Um uh, I thought again about Leonard Cohen. He came back up in my life because, which is really cool. Like when things that we research, yeah. you know, kind of make another appearance, it's like makes it feel like the stuff matters and is like resonating and sticking in your brain. Um, I was hanging out with some friends uh, like later in the evening and, uh, you know, drinks were involved and I put on a little Leonard Cohen. I was in charge of like putting on the music, put on a little Leonard Cohen. It was not appreciated. Um, oh, it was um, not welcomed it was not i i guess i misjudged the vibe huh. like it was just not the right time for leonard cohen because the the stuff i was putting on was like yeah like kind of moody and meditative and sort of like <laughs> sexy but dark and people were like yo can we put on some like happy uplifting Wait, music what was the context what was this hang it was just like me and a few friends and matt like chilling at my friend's house <laughs> like we were you know we were drinking like all right, whatever, you know, sodas or Moscow mules or some some refreshing like ready. springtime beverage. Just weren't ready. Wasn't ready. That's so, fine. All right. Well, not always right. appropriate. Whatever. If you want to get together with the black turtlenecks and the beret and the cigarette or whatever, we'll, yeah, I'll and like jam. the rain machine outside and just yeah. like get it going. <laughs> Let's do it. Also, my dad sent me a book about Martin Luther King and the Jewish community. Huh. Like. Because he knows we do this podcast. That's so great. And I was like, like to check that out. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe we could have a future up where we talk about the intersections of black and Jewish communities wow. and how they work together to eliminate oppression yeah, and racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no more. Nope. We did done. it together. Yeah. Because especially because this podcast, mm-hmm. it's done. Yep. Let's get into it. Okay. Um, how do you want to do this? Because... <laughs> What are we saying the exact topic is? Yo, we're talking about sex goddesses today. We are. Jewish okay, I'm and glad that we're keeping sex it. Goddesses. Sex goddesses. Yeah, and um, I think that, uh, well, I don't know about your sex goddess. My sex goddess was a little bit conflicted about her title as sex goddess. She hmm. had some... She had some thoughts about it. She was sort of a somewhat of a reluctant sex goddess, which I think is very interesting. And uh, I want to hear... Well, I want to hear about uh, about your girl. <laughs> okay, my girl, Eartha Kitt, no bones about it, born to be a sex goddess. Yep. There was, like, never a point in her life where she's like, I don't know. <laughs> what do I want to be when I grow up? A dolphin trainer? A librarian? No, a fucking she, sex yeah, goddess. Dude, she was, like, in our faces from day one. Now, here's the thing about Eartha Kitt. So, <laughs> I guess the, the number one thing I'm going to just say is everybody knows her by her distinct voice. It's Mm. so beautiful and you can't really place it. She's like a sexy alien kitten. Yes. (laughs) With just like she and she's very smart. She just like drops insane knowledge like very casually. She's remarkable in that way. So people are kind of wondering like where did she come from? Yeah. And she also has like a very international presence. So it's like what's her deal? Okay. 
Homegirl was born in South Carolina, and she uh, is of mixed race. She never met her father. Her mother is black, and her dad is presumably white, and she was born, Eartha Kitt was born with very light skin, and so she was rejected in her community. People didn't like her, and people would, like, beat her up and stuff uh, from, like, a really early age, and at a certain point, her family was just like, we gotta get her out of here. Like, we don't love her, for one thing, and for another thing, like, she's gonna be destroyed here, so they wrote Wait, a letter. we don't love her. We don't love her. We don't love her. We're bad to her. She sucks. Ah. Like, they, they knew her, they referred to her as an illegitimate Yellow gal. Oh. It was hard times uh, in the South for a mixed kid. So yeah, and this was like when, like the twenties. Wasn't she born like twenties, uh, thirties? I think twenties. I think the twenties. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, let's pause for a second. No, no, yeah, yeah. Born January seventeenth, nineteen twenty-seven. Dope. So yeah. So anyway, they wrote a letter to her aunt in New York, and they're like, "Take this kid," and she was like, "Okay." And or the kid just gets put on a train. She doesn't know anything about trains. She doesn't know anything about anything. And she just gets sent to live in Harlem. And early um, in her youth, I guess she was like an early teen, she started um, dancing and singing with the Catherine Dunham Dance Company. And they do a lot of traveling and touring. And when she and she really excelled there, she was a star immediately. And um, in Paris, Orson Welles sees her and he is just taken by her. He's quoted as saying that she's uh, the most exciting woman in the world. Whoa. And so he scoops her up and he features her in his um his play, Dr. Faustus. Yeah. So anyway, that's the beginning of her career. And so she's immediately like, just the world is in love with her. And she starts to become a really well-known actor and singer and dancer. Wait, side note, doesn't it always seem, and this is kind of the case for my gal, who we'll get into in a few minutes, like, Seems like back then, and I'm using back then liberally to describe like a, a several decade yeah, period. Back in the day. But like back in the day, doesn't it just seem like women were just discovered like <laughs> by like some prestigious guy who was like, I'm gonna give you your fame and fortune. Yeah. And it, that was just it from then on. They like brought them back to America and like the rest is herstory, you know? But the thing like, is, I feel like there's so there's more to it. There are like special circumstances. Like reading about Eartha Kitt really reminded me of um like Marilyn Monroe's story. Mm. I feel like you had to be like a woman of the world. Like you could just be plucked up like that and like no one else can claim you. So it's almost like she's run off to the circus. Like Hollywood is my family now. Like yeah. I think I don't think it was like, oh, I'm I've got this really nice family who cares about me and I'd like to be an actress, please. I'm going to go be discovered. Right. I feel like it's not really a respectable like life, you know, like you couldn't, do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, like they had nothing to go back to. So like they gave their all to the, like they were ready to be sort of plucked and like transformed, yeah, like made like into stars. that or nothing. Yeah. Like, or homelessness. Right. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm really talking out of turn. I'm just like yeah. <laughs> surmising. So it was like that saying when people are like timing plus, fuck, forget the oh, saying. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Preparation and something timing and something perspiration. Famous, then you get famous. Yeah, that's how it goes. I'm pretty sure. All right. So anyway, I I found this website EarthaKit.com that Mm -hmm. I believe her daughter um, Kit Shapiro runs it. Sounds Jewish to me. Oh, you know what? Shapiro. That does sound Jewish. Mm. I believe that's a married name though. Like her her name was Kit McDonald. Right. After probably married a Jew. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll Sorry. have to research that connection. But um, Kit and Eartha Kit had a really beautiful relationship. That mother-daughter pair is just like, 
It's so special. And um, there's like a moment in an interview where Kit's talking about her mom's last days because Eartha Kit, she actually died of colon cancer. It was really sad, but it was like, you know, time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's like, I think other people with their parents spend their final days like gushing about like emotions and true feelings and confessing things they never said. But there was really nothing to say because she always felt like she completed her mother like they are the true romance in each other's lives and they just Ah. got each other and i just thought that was so sweet anyway i just want to say a little bit more about her career and i'll like wrap this thing up no don't yeah i'm gonna talk for a while so please do as well so when i before i started studying eartha kit all i really knew about her was like that she was beautiful and funny and was like like i vaguely knew that she was like a civil rights activist like like I remembered there was like some big political moment, but I couldn't really think of it. And she was in that scene in Harriet the Spy. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's this like scene where like Harriet is like in this fancy house or something and she's in this like dumb waiter and then you can hear the kid through a thingy and she is weird. <laughs> yes. And now yeah. I'm looking it up and yes, look at her. That's pretty much all I knew of her. Wild curl like hair and curlers kind of just insane who's that weird lady yeah oh yeah and she has all these little like quotations that'll be like turned into memes that and she was like my desktop picture for like a year and the the quote was something like um i'm learning all the time uh, my the tombstone will be my diploma and that was like i don't know i'm like that's oh, cool she's like a cool little mascot to keep around dude she's so much bigger than just that she okay the big political moment i was talking about is in 1968 she gets invited by lady bird johnson to the white house to do this like luncheon this is the middle of the vietnam war and honestly like this is i think this is on lady bird she gets asked, like, she asks Eartha Kitt to come because Eartha Kitt is doing all this, like, advocacy work with, like, kids in inner cities and, like, helping, like, rejected citizens and helping people, like, have better lives and stuff. And so she asks her to come based on that work. And when she's, like, asked a question about, like, how can we make the world better? What can we do for our youth? She says, well, for one thing, we could end the Vietnam War because it's pointless. Uh, yep. <laughs> she's like, we've been there for too long. This is an unwinnable war. Um, I don't understand, like, why you guys think it's important. We raise this youth. We raise these black men and they're getting shot. Like, why are we doing that? And on the record, they, they say that Lady Bird, like, broke, into, bro- broke down into tears and this completely humiliated her and upset Ugh. her. But, like, it moved pretty fast. Eartha Kitt was ostracized from U.S. society for, like, a while. She couldn't get work in the States. Because of that? Because of that. Because she was really, like, not cool for her to speak out against the war. But then a lot of other people were, like, into it. And they were like, yeah, right on. Like, speak freely. Um, But she didn't seem phased by it because she was still, like, working in Europe and Asia and Africa. Like, she was just, like, traveling around, like, doing her thing. Also, I don't know if she was doing stuff in Africa. I just made that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, probably she was. So, okay, so that was, like, a really big moment. Also, during this time, she was, like, being really specifically, like, on board with LGBT rights and stuff. Like, she was down with gay marriage and when it, like, quote-unquote, wasn't cool to. Yeah. um, Which is, like, kind of a big deal for a black celebrity. Um, She was basically like, I've been rejected my whole life. I've been oppressed my whole life. I really don't see, like, what makes this group of people different from me. So even though I'm a heterosexual, I have no problem with standing up for them, which was fucking cool. Yeah. She won a lot of awards and was nominated for a lot of awards. Really close to getting the EGOT, as if you're a 30 Rock fan, you know, Um, an EGOT is Yeah, wait, how many of those did... Oh, sorry. 
She the only thing she didn't get was an Oscar. She got the Emmy, a Grammy, and three Tonys. Awesome. By the way, I'm just cruising her wiki page right now, and uh, I didn't realize that she is the like the singer of the like the original Santa baby and that's the other thing I always forget that she's Santa baby yeah she's Santa that's baby that's a really big deal Eartha Kitt is Santa baby yeah oh my we god we all know Santa baby I, I mean it's kind yeah. of an uncomfortable song uh, true 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 but like that's not Eartha Kitt's fault no she didn't write it no you know, she just brought that sexy voice to it yeah she, you know if you flaunt it if you got it uh, she <laughs> did so many things she yeah she sang she danced like you said she was an activist apparently she was a comedian that's what her wiki page says right. I don't know. oh also so like on that like funny tip her Catwoman. she was Catwoman mm, yep. in the 1967 batman tv series and i had never really like seen that i just kind of knew of it and i know she's got that like signature growl that everybody knows and I watched a couple of clips. Dude, if you're listening to this and you've never seen this Catwoman, she's the Catwoman. I've never seen this Catwoman. You are going to die. I can't wait. It's incredible. And she's like, she's like driving this weird car that like looks like a cat. Like, like it's a Catmobile probably. Yeah. It's like, a, but it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like the way the Batmobile is like a Batmobile. It looks like a DIY, like, like a float for a parade. Dude. <laughs> Incredible. Her bone structure is, by the, speaking of cat, like she is very feline. Yes, she Quite is feline. She is made for this role. I can't you believe could say. that she's from Planet Earth. Yeah, she's so weird. Planet Eartha. Planet Eartha is is Eartha like a common name? No, that's her real name too. That's not like a stage name. Yeah, I think Kit is her stage yeah, last yeah, name, yeah. but Eartha is the name she was given at birth. At Bertha. <laughs> So much cooler than Bertha, by yeah. the way. There's Eartha and there's Bertha. Just, I love her. I've always known she was cool, but like doing this extra research, I'm like, there's so much to her that I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, like, what was she, um, what were her movies? Like, what were her, her oh, film? Yeah. I forgot to say. So I watched one. I watched um, Anna LaCosta, which is stars her and Sammy Davis Jr. And I was so distracted by Sammy Davis Jr.'s perm. <laughs> oh, my I God. I hate it. Bad perm. I hate it. The world loved it. They were like, oh, look at him with his glossy fucking quaff. I did not like it. <laughs> I, if I was alive during those days, I would, like, sneak up on all of those men in their sleep and buzz their head. It's just gross. Anyway, sorry. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like a movie. I thought it was a good one because it really, it sort of like parallels her life story a little bit of being rejected by her family. It's like she comes from this well-to-do household and her father really favored her early in her youth. And he, um, and like something went wrong in her high school years. Like he forbade her to see this high school boyfriend. She went to spend one last evening with him anyway, like hanging out in the park. And when he caught them, he was furious and he shook her and he made her pack her bags and said, get out of here. You, I don't know you anymore. So she packs her bags and goes and lives in San Diego for a few years with no plan. And she's just this like, you know, like she's just this like feral woman and she hangs out in bars and stuff. And Whatever. Um, her family gets a letter from some distant relative that's selling his farm. He's got four thousand dollars, and he and and they'd like them to use the four thousand dollars to help 
him find a, a wife for his like son that needs help finding a wife. It's so convoluted and strange. Wait, you need money to find it was like a wife. It was like weird. It was like uh, my son, like the relative's name was Otis, and the son's name was like oh, fuck, I forget. Uh, Rudolph mm. and they're like they're like Rudolph needs help finding a match can you help him find a match here's four thousand dollars to do it I guess it's like like a like a what's the word like incentive like, like a, a Pygmalion thing like oh. whatever you need to find a woman to make her clean and nice <laughs> yeah and whatever give her some makeup and like el- elocution lessons e- and stuff yeah put marbles in her mouth I and don't know. so like uh or the, <laughs> or the kid's mom is like I know we'll get Anna that's the character that Eartha mm. Kitt's playing and the father's like Anna's never coming back to this home and she's like oh we love her we love Anna she's got to come back so they bring her back but because she's lived this wild existence and she's been with all these men she like can't be tamed oh yeah so she tries kind of a theme with in Arthur's career so yeah so like she tries and it doesn't really work out because Sammy Davis Jr. is like this sailor that she's met in San Diego and he like won't let her get away and so you know there's just this like complicated relationship there where she's like should I get married should I run away with Sammy Davis Jr. his perm is off the hook and I'm all like no let me check this perm out <laughs> anyway oh, that yeah. is a very distracting perm. it's horrible I see I see your point point. and the way the light hits it they couldn't figure out how to like light black people right back then it mm. looks horrible but he's great in his dance number. You know, back in the day when, like, those movies had, like, a 20-minute long dance number in the middle of the oh, film yeah, for no sure. reason at all? Yep. Yeah. And the way they, you know, wove it in, it was kind of nice. Like, Eartha Kitt's just, like, getting super drunk, and then she starts to see things. And so she's like, oh, I'm so drunk. And she, she sees this. Like, is this dance number happening? <laughs> yeah. She, like, sees Sammy Davis Jr., like, doing this amazing tap jazz piece. Uh, everyone from this era is like a quadruple threat. Uh-huh. It's bananas. Everyone's yeah. just trained to like tap dance and sing like pretty well. Yeah. You know, just, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's like sort of a remnant of like the vaudeville, like Ziegfeld Follies kind absolutely, of days. Like absolutely. showgirl kind of, uh, you know, expectations. Yeah. And like, I guess the last thing that I'll say is that she was thought of as like a live cabaret performer Mm. she mostly did like live singing and dancing and stuff like that and so like i feel like that was the time for that yeah she did broadway um i don't know if she was necessarily broadway Broadway. yeah actually i I remember that she did do broadway like in her older years but as like she was coming up i'm not so sure if Mm -hmm. that was like a part of her journey right maybe just typical sort of like cabaret style yeah all Singing right. and dancing, dinner theater, mm-hmm. stuff like that. What's Little Santa on? baby here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Santa baby there. But um, I, I, yeah, I feel like I've I've talked too much. Sarah, well, but talk to on. us before we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you mentioned this off mic, but not on mic that she plays a great part in Emperor's New Groove. Yes, which is very important. So wonderful. I, and I keep saying the name wrong in myself. Isma. Thank you, Alexis. Yeah. She's the, like, funny lady from Emperor's New Groove. She's the villain. She's a great villain. Her voice is so villainous. Yeah. She's so bad. She's so bad. She's so bad. Side note, look at this picture that someone took of her sleeping on a bus in 1962. Why is this on Wikipedia? That's so weird. The caption is... Kit sleeping on a bus in okay. 1962. That's very strange. Like, stop taking pictures of Eartha Kit sleeping. But you know what? You know Eartha Kit loved it. 
She might not she, have even been asleep. She's can posing. I? Act, yeah, right. She's like, pretend that Look I'm glamorous. I am. She, like her hair. There's like, <laughs> baby caught me sleeping. She literally has like a flower crown on. Like she's like pre Coachella. Like I know. And she's wearing like five different animals like draped around her. <laughs> no, seriously, this is like a she's fox truly fabulous. kissing another fox. It's crazy. Also, you just reminded me that I have a little thing that I want to play. Is yes. it okay? It's just a minute long. Yeah. Okay. This is this famous uh, interview where she's it, okay. The title of the video is Eartha Kit on Love and Compromise. Cool. Maybe you guys have seen it. <laughs> a man comes into my life and I have to compromise? You must think about that one again. <laughs> a man comes into my life and you have to compromise? For what? For what? For what? A relationship is a relationship that has to be earned, not to compromise for. And I love relationships. I think they're fantastic. They're wonderful. I think they're great. I think there's nothing in the world more beautiful than falling in love. But falling in love for the right reasons, falling in love for the right purpose, falling in love, falling in love. When you fall in love, What is that to compromise about? Yep. <laughs> the way she just cackled like a wild hyena. She's crazy. She just doesn't understand the idea of compromise. No. And that's the whole thing of like her and her relationship with her daughter. She's like, I'm going to name my daughter Kit. I'm After Eartha. Me. She's Kit. Yep. She completes me. This is all I need. This makes perfect sense. Yeah. <sighs> What a legend. Yeah, seriously. Um, that was great. Also, cool, just like weird setting. Yeah, where she's where just sitting among she, flowers. She's, there's a dog barking throughout <laughs> the interview. Yeah. She looks like she's in her bathrobe, like just stepped out of the shower. And she's like, sure, I'll take your questions. Exactly. <laughs> Are you the same man who photographed me on the bus? <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to my home. Welcome to my garden. Oh, my God. Uh, Eartha Kit. Yeah, what a dreamboat. Oh, man. Um, that's cool. I enjoyed learning about her. So let's talk about someone else who was more than just a pretty face. Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. Okay, this is going to be a little sloppy. I tried to be organized here in my notes. Um, I'll just take you through some biographical facts. Um, we'll get to her like acting career and a little bit about her personal life. And then we'll talk about... Something else she's perhaps even better known for than being like a Hollywood bombshell, which is an inventor. No way. Oh, yes. But let me get to that. That's a little tease. Okay. Hedy Lamar, born in either 1913 or 1914. Unclear. TBD. Sources are very split on this. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So either 1913 or 1914 in Vienna in what was uh, considered Austria-Hungary, like that region, uh, born to Jewish parents, although her mother converted to Catholicism. But um, yeah, she definitely was born Jewish. And it uh, seems like she kept her Jewish identity kind of a secret when she was growing up because she was like in sort of pre-Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it didn't really factor into So she's not really like, I don't know. She's a Jewish icon in the sense that she was born Jewish and did some cool shit, but she didn't really identify or, like, live a very Jewish life. Yeah, it's like, can it be claimed, cool. not exactly hashtag Jewish pride. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Hedy um, did a few German and Czech films um, before 
getting worldwide recognition, like her first sort of breakout thing was this 1933 Czech-Austrian movie called Ecstasy or Ecstas in German or Czech. Um, she did that when she was 18, but I think it was, I think she shot it like when she was underage. So it was pretty scandalous when it came out. It was the very first film ever to show a female orgasm. What? Oh yes. And is it hers? It's hers. Whoa. And she, it's like all in close ups. It's just like her face. It's obviously <laughs> black and white. It's like a 1933, very old movie. Um, and it's kind of scandalous. I watched some clips oh of it. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's pretty like you can imagine at that time how much, how it just scandalized people because yeah, I mean, people weren't used to seeing just sex portrayed period, let alone like a woman enjoying sex. Mm -hmm. And in the scene, I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's like sex. I think it's like, I mean, it's not intercourse. I think the dude is going down on her. Oh my God. Are you kidding? And she's enjoying it. You just see his head kind of disappear off screen. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. And then you just see Hetty just being like, la, like just like (laughs) loving it. Um, It's great. And the world was like, oh, hello, young lady. Who are you? Literally, who are you? We've never seen you before. Just like weird Austrian teen. Um, Apparently, Europe loved it, uh, except for in like pre-Nazi Germany. It was like people tried to ban it. But like the rest of Europe, like France and Italy, et cetera, et cetera, like heralded it as super artistic. Uh, in America, which is a country of backward Puritans, uh, people objected. And women's groups in particular were like all up in arms. They were like, wait, what? A woman is getting orally pleasured. Like, no. Which is like, come on, guys. This is a win for all of us. Yeah. Like, let's, you know. Um, although, okay, side note. Um, there's a couple scenes where Hetty is shot nude in this movie. And apparently she didn't realize that they were going to make it into the film. So she told some like uh, press people that she felt duped by the director and kind of taken advantage of as like a young, you know, teenage girl. Mm-hmm. So that's not chill. Um, and obviously this is not like the first and only time an actress felt tricked or violated by a male director. I'm thinking in particular of uh, Last Tango in Paris where um, what's her face? Maria Schneider, like in the butter scene. You know, have you ever seen Last Tango? No, actually. Oh, there's this infamous scene um, where it's basically uh, not even implied. Like uh, Marlon Brando's character, like, like has there's an anal sex scene with her and and Marlon Brando, and And she apparently actually happened, and she didn't know it was going to happen. So that's terrible. Uh, And she said in interviews that she felt like raped by Brando, and she felt really like deceived by Bertolucci, the director. Anyway, so there's a rich history of. you know, women being taken advantage of in the pursuit of, like, authentic sexual experiences on film. Anyway, that's a side note, but it did sort of, like, get heady, sort of recognized, but, like, some, some would say it wasn't great, it wasn't always, like, universally great publicity, because people just thought of her from that point on as this, like, sex object, and that was, like, all she was. It was really Mm -hmm. hard for her to kind of shake that. It was sort of haunt her for the rest of her acting career. So, briefly want to talk about her, uh, this crazy terrible dude she married. Speaking of dudes trying to control women and their sexuality, uh, in 1933, she married this dude named Friedrich Mandel or Fritz Mandel, who was an Austrian arms dealer, um, also a Jew. He was apparently like the third richest dude in Austria. He supplied some really bad guys with weapons. Uh, Mussolini, ever heard of him? Hitler, ever heard of him? He literally was giving Hitler weapons. What the hell? And he was Jewish, which was kind of, 
you know, not that cool. Fritz. Um, and Hitler just kind of considered Mandel. He sort of like swept that under the carpet and considered Mandel like an honorary Aryan. That is so bad. Because he was getting like torpedoes and shit. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but when he married Hetty, he was like one of Hetty's many admirers. He would come to like the theater in like Vienna and see her plays. And he would like try to see her backstage and like throw roses at her and stuff. <laughs> and she was like, I don't want to. I'm, you know, my own woman. And then finally she relented. He was apparently very charming. And also, as I said, like, hella rich um but as soon as they got married even though he initially was so attracted to her amazing acting prowess and stuff he as soon as they got married like prevented her from acting and tried to get the movie ecstasy banned in like every country and he Mm -hmm. tried to snatch up like every print that was available of it like crazy controlling like abusive dude he was like you're not gonna pursue acting anymore oh my god you're just gonna be my wife like you're gonna be my trophy wife you're gonna just wear like bangles and like entertain guests So she felt like a prisoner in her own home. They literally lived in a castle, like some insane castle in Austria. Um, She wasn't allowed to leave unless accompanied by like a servant who would like report back to her husband at all times. Um, He listened to all of her telephone calls and it controlled like a very small allowance that she got. Just bananas shit. Um, Apparently she was secretly stowing away jewelry that she was pawning off to like get money prepared for her escape. Wow. Okay. Um, but anyway, in the meantime, they would have these lavish dinner parties where people like Mussolini and Hitler and other like big dudes in war would like show up and talk military strategy. And she would just overhear all of this stuff. So some seeds were planted. Anyway, I'll get to that later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. But anyway, so she learned a lot in this sort of horrible, abusive relationship that would come in handy later. Um, Okay, so uh, on one occasion, Hetty did try to talk to one of her husband's dinner guests, but, like, with disastrous results. Uh, I got this from, there's this awesome podcast called You Must Remember This that's, like, classic Hollywood lore, um, and they actually do an episode on Hetty Lamar. So everyone listen to that. It will be, like, way more in-depth than Ah! accurate, probably. But anyway, according to that, um, there's this British officer who Hetty's talking to at this dinner party, and Hetty's, like please, you have to help me escape. I'm in a terrible marriage. Like, won't you help me escape to England or literally anywhere else? And um, later, Hetty's husband confronts her in her room and, like, <gasps> with, like, a Victrola, like, a re- ancient record player and, like, tells her he's going to put on this, like, Viennese waltz. And then he puts a record on and she just hears her voice. And oh, he was bugging the conversation. That's so terrifying. Yep, terrible. So anyway, so Hetty escapes. She gets the hell out of there. Um through a bunch of sort of interesting sort of maneuvers where she maybe she may or may not have drugged her servant and put on her servant's disguise so that she could escape as a servant to Paris. Anyway, she gets to London somehow. The president of MGM, Louis Mayer, discovers her. He's blown away by her beauty, but is like, sorry, like I've seen ecstasy. You're you know, we can't bring you to Hollywood if this is who you are. Like, you know, we can't bring, like, the orgasm girl to Hollywood and try to, like, introduce her as a legit actress. Like, I'm sorry, your reputation is going to follow you. And she was like, please, like, give me a chance. Anyway, he was impressed with her, like, wiles and scrappiness because she basically snuck onto the ship that he was going back to America on and was like, ta-da, look at me. I snuck onto the ship. I'm coming with you. And he was like, you're crazy. Um, (laughs) Anyway, people in America freaked out over Hetty because she was bananas gorgeous. She got the name The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. She went on to do a bunch of movies, most of, them, most of them, like, super bad. She did this movie called Algiers in 1938 um, that's corny as hell. She did Boomtown with Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy. She did movies with a lot of big actors. You know, she did this movie called Zigfield Girl in 1941 about the Zigfield Follies uh, with James Stewart, Judy Garland, Lana Turner. 
I tried to watch some of it. Side note, it was trash. I got like 23 <laughs> minutes into it, which I feel is pretty legit. Um, it's just it's just bad. I mean, it's nobody's fault. Like, I mean, it's the writer's fault. It's the writer's fault and the director's fault. It's it's a couple people's fault. But all of these great actresses are in it. Um, and they're just like, what am I doing here? I am a, an actually talented person. They they just the movie just makes them I mean, because it's about the Ziegfeld Follies. So it just makes them put on these ridiculous headdresses and just like trot them out like these pageant queens who look like freaking like Macy's Day floats <laughs> like it's just crazy and uh anyway so she did a bunch of shit like that um but all of these movies were really all these roles were really just centered around her beauty like there wasn't a lot of actual meat to them she was really just a prop um she had this quote she was sort of famous for like just kind of speaking her mind whenever people would interview her and like not sugarcoat things and so that's kind of why she got kind of a bad reputation in Hollywood because she would just, like, talk shit about Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, So she had this quote, any girl can be glamorous. All you have to do is stand still and look stupid. Um, (laughs) So she definitely kind of resented and was just kind of like, this is so dumb. Like, her role that Hollywood had, like, cast her in. Um, So, but it was interesting. She kind of gained popularity in a time when the role of women, this was, like, the 40s, the role of women was changing in society. Like, women were working in the war effort. You know, more and more women were having, were getting jobs and we would see these sort of like brassy, bold women on screen, like Joan Crawford and Catherine Hepburn, like mm-hmm. wore pants and like spoke their mind and weren't just like, you know, uh, innocent victims. Right. You know? um, so people kind of didn't know what to make of her. But um, a lot of men felt kind of like comforted by her because she sort of s- represented this like nostalgic mm-hmm. throwback to a time when women were just kind of like more submissive and like traditionally feminine. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, and I, I, I'm going to read this quote from You Must Remember This, that podcast I was mentioning. Um, Hetty couldn't have been more different from a headstrong patrician like Catherine Hepburn, but Hepburn or a working girl like Joan Crawford. In her exoticism, she was more like a Garbo or a Dietrich. But those comparisons didn't really fit either because Hetty, unlike those other two, didn't invite audience identification. She was almost a throwback to the exotic, mysterious, implicitly sexual, and yet never vulgar almost unemotional type of screen woman who had flourished in the silent era and hadn't really been seen since. Hetty made movie viewers remember an almost mystical femininity of a long of a time long before women went to work and wore practical shoes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, people didn't, like, identify with her or like her all that much because she kind of had this, like, vacant look in her eyes and was just kind of this, like, beautiful, like, a blank slate. Right. Um, but I think... So anyway, so she kind of represented like a bygone era. And I think that's part of the reason her career didn't last that long. Like she didn't basically after the 40s, her career kind of petered out. She did a couple rando things in like the 50s and 60s. But then she just kind of like hid from the public eye and just I'm going to talk a little bit later about like her sort of scandals and the sort of weird shit she was involved in after she kind of got out of Hollywood. But I want to talk about her status as an inventor. Yeah, she actually was involved in some cool stuff that kind of paved the way for some uh, modern conveniences that we enjoy to this day. I'm pretty excited to hear about this. So, like I said, during her marriage to Fritz Mandel, um, she overheard a lot of, like, war strategy talk and learned a lot about weapons. Um, and she really wanted to do something that would help the Allies defeat the Nazis. She felt like, you know, she was more than just this, like, pretty woman married to this rich guy. And then when she became an actress in Hollywood, her desire to help the war efforts, like, continued. And she always felt kind of torn between, like, wanting to make a statement and an impact globally, like while this insane war was going on overseas and also just wanting to like get a paycheck and continue her career. Yeah. Um, In 1942, with the help of 
what seems like her only friend, this um, like lovely, I think gay composer, George Antle. Um, they had this cute little friendship. They came up um, with a secret communication system, which is how they describe it, um, that would pave the way for Bluetooth and wireless technologies. No um, so they figured out somehow how to use the mechanics of a player piano, which is like one of those self-playing pianos mm-hmm. that like you'll see in like, I don't know, lobbies of like yeah. Nordstrom's and like the and Magic stuff. Castle, there's this like ghost yeah. that's playing the piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like programmed somehow remotely. And anyway, so they use some sort of technology, the same kind of technology that allows those pianos to play <laughs> remotely to create the earliest version of, quote, frequency hopping spread spectrum system. So frequency hopping is like a method that protects radio communications from from enemy spies by like constantly switching frequencies. So it's really hard to track. Oh, cool. Um, so, but it's, but they're switched in, they, they kind of switch frequencies in a pre-programmed pattern. So the people who are like behind the frequencies, like know how they're going to switch. But if you're trying to listen in, you're not going to be able to figure right. it out. So very hard to understand, very hard to explain. It just did a horrible job. But basically, <laughs> you know, they helped develop a system that would enable um, the Allied forces to launch missiles um, without their w- missiles being, like, found out and targeted. Um, yeah, that's so sneaky. Yes. But this discovery was not an instant success. The U.S. government rejected their patent when they applied for it um, because they thought that Lamar and Antle were proposing, like, literally proposing fitting a player piano inside a torpedo what? and they were like lol we didn't explain it well enough i guess like we obviously didn't mean that like we were just talking about being inspired by that as our sort of jumping off point but cool guys i guess so yeah it didn't really take um oh, but then no. i know but then One many of those pitches that just dies in the room oh so so <laughs> true we all know about that. Uh, many years later, though, in 1962, in the Cuban Missile Crisis, the U.S. Army actually used Lamar's ideas and uh, used them in military ships against a Cuban blockade. Anyway, she, but, like, literally, she didn't get credit for these that ideas sucks. until 1997. So okay. that was, like, uh, 50, like, five, 50, like, 57 years, maybe, after, yeah. whatever, like, a long time after her discovery or her, like... And by then, she did, right? No. She's still she alive? not dead. She would remain alive for the next three years. So she lived <laughs> to see her innovations recognized. She got uh, honored with the Electronic Frontier Foundation Pioneer Award. And that same year, Lamar became the first female to receive the Bulby Nass uh, Spirit of Achievement Award, which is considered the Oscars of inventing. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so variations on the technology that she came up with, the sort of frequency hop- hopping things, are used um, in, like, modern cell phone networks, like Sprint and Verizon. I don't know. Um, basically, uh, okay, CDMA cell phone networks. CDMA grants users full access to the entire spectrum of bands, thus allowing more users to connect at any given time. It also encodes each user's individual conversation, uh, via a pseudo-randomized digital sequence, meaning it's uh, super encrypted and protected and it's hard to trace. Okay. Got it. Whatever. That's, you know, don't know much about uh, phone technology, but basically she created something that is implemented today in stuff that we use all the time. Um, Briefly want to just wrap this up by talking about, I know this is like kind of disrespectful, but Hedy was involved in some 
really funny scandals um, at the later point of her career when she kind of really like wasn't in movies anymore and was having some money problems and she developed a bit of a shoplifting habit. Um, she, in 1961, was caught stealing gold slippers and some other stuff from a department store. Um, <laughs> in court, she told the jury she was struggling with the aftermath of seeing a movie called The Pawnbroker and being, and she was re-traumatized about fleeing Nazi Germany. So, like, in this, like, fugue state, she, like, mm. robbed a department store. Oh, anyway, no, she was acquitted. <laughs> then she sued the department store for defamation of character. <laughs> Like, <laughs> LOL, what are you doing? Hey, um, get it together. Hey, get it together. She later sued Mel Brooks for using her name um, for a character in Blazing Saddles. Hedley Lamar is a character in Blazing Saddles. Um, okay. And she was like, not cool, not cool. Um, <laughs> then there was this memoir of hers called Ecstasy and Me that came out. And it was a, a shocker. It really scandalized everyone when it came <laughs> on the scene because it... it entailed or detailed all these like lurid, you know, sex tidbits from her life. And Hetty claimed that several parts of the book had been fabricated by her ghostwriter and sued the publisher for libel in her own memoir. Just like, get it together. Like, sit down with your ghostwriter, be like, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. Can you imagine a biography or memoir just being published and like you are surprised to read it? Yeah, that's horrible. So horrible. So I think she was just kind of desperate for cash honestly um yeah but she was literally the queen of suing people she was basically donald trump but like way hotter and actually kind of smart yeah yeah that's uh, funny uh in 1991 she was caught shoplifting once again this time for 20 dollars worth of eye drops and laxatives no <sighs> Hedy, why? sad face Hedy, shaking why? my damn head i know um, she was trying to steal eye drops yeah, and dude. laxatives yeah dude she'd fallen on some hard times she really and she got caught see like that's the thing yeah. like if you're gonna shoplift and i never have by the way mm -hmm. i have never shoplifted in my life even though there were so many moments where i'm like i could just walk outside wait question is it shoplifting if you eat a granola bar in a grocery store and don't pay for it. Yes, Sarah. I have shoplifted. Okay. Not recently. I just wanted to clear that up because um, in high school, we would do this thing where we would just go into the Safeway across the street from our high school. It was like an open campus. So we would like go off campus for lunch and we would go into the Safeway. And sometimes I would just like eat a croissant and like not pay for it, <laughs> which is so fucking hashtag white privilege, like so stupid. No need for me to do that. I had croissant money. You know? Yeah, but you you know, you it, just couldn't be bothered. I, but also it was the thrill, which is that which is true. I guess why rich people like Winona yeah. Ryder and Hedy Lamar yeah. although I think her her financial situation was a little rockier, but you know, it's why people who don't need to steal, steal. But I have always thought, like, if I'm going to steal, I really don't want to be embarrassed by what I'm stealing. Right. Like, steal gold slippers. Steal gold slippers. For example. That's badass. Yeah. And then you have these, like, stolen gold slippers in your house. You know what? I was just thinking about it. And although I've never shoplifted, I have stolen before. Mm. You ready to hear about this? Yeah, I'd love to. Oh, my God. That's I even can't believe that this is going to be, like, on Ooh, true record. confessions. Okay. So I'm going to keep it a little bit vague to protect some other people that are out there. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I used to work for a particular production team that was a part of a very large company. I'm and familiar. They would take production money. And then if we had extra, like for art department or something, we'd buy props in quotes that we would just keep. So like maybe we'd go to a place like Anthropology or Crate and Barrel and get some decorative pillows with 
for art. Like for your office? Yeah. Well, to to dress the set of oh. our shoot uh-huh. and then not return them and keep them for ourselves. In other words, we didn't really need those decorative pillows for the shoot. Right. It's just kind of like, let's get them yeah. and bring them home. Or like, let's buy some wardrobe for our talent that they will never try on or wear and we'll just keep it for ourselves. Okay, I still feel That's, like that doesn't incriminate you at all because you were just working for this company and that was their policy. I mean, that's obviously shady, but it's not like you are going into a store and like stealing a granola bar or a pastry true. and just enjoying eating it without paying for it. It feels just as bad, Does though. it? Okay. To me, it does. Like, I wore a dress to a wedding and there are pictures of me in that dress oh. on the internet, and I didn't pay for it. Someone else did. Oh, okay. Anyway. Well, that sounds like kind of a complicated... I'm a dork, Sarah. Yeah. Let me have this. Okay, I'll let you have it. You're so bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's Hetty. That's that's your girl, Hetty Lamar. By the way, Lamar was obviously a stage name. Um, she was born like Gertrude... Hold on. Uh, Kiesler? Um, oh. Wait, no, sorry. She was born... Scrolling up through my notes. She was born uh, Hedwig. Eve, sorry, not Gertrude. Why did I say that? Oh, Hedwig. That. A sort of similarly unfortunate name. Sorry to anyone named Hedwig or Gertrude out there. I, I like Gertrude. Hedwig. Eh. Hedwig, not great, but leads to the cute name Hetty. Yeah, it's, which it's I cute think is nickname. cute. Yeah. I think Hedy Lamar is a great name. No, it's great. But her last name is Keesler, and she changed it to Lamar after this uh, silent film era actress named Barbara Lamar, who was oh, nice. supposedly like the sexiest lady mm. of, of the silent films. Um, Appropriate. Yep. So anyway, uh, hot women with brains. Hot women with brains. Now it's time for a segment called... Happy birthday to Jew, where I wish a Jew happy birthday. Um, happy birthday to Billy Joel, who on May 9th, which is when I believe this episode will air, turns 67. Billy Joel, you're a great Jew. You would be great even if you weren't Jewish, but it's a cool bonus that you are. People who say they don't like Billy Joel, he's too corny, he's sentimental, whatever. Like, look, he wasn't trying to be a rock star, okay? He's not like in a hairband. He doesn't have edge. Like he's that's not what he's about. He's just like a boy with a piano. He's a piano man. You know? He's like just a like a talented music playing gentleman who just sings from his heart. And I really, I really challenge you to give me an argument why Billy Joel isn't great. I, I think he puts a smile on your face, and if you think it's not cool to admit that, well, you got another thing coming. I don't know. Whatever. I think Billy Joel's great, and I want to wish him a happy birthday. That's happy birthday to you. All right. Oh, Sarah. Do you know what time it is? I believe that it's time for me to push the glasses from the bottom of my nose off the bridge of my nose, because it's trivia, trivia time. time. All right. Lorraine. Hey. Uh, our trivia this time is going to be um, of a personal nature. Yes. We're talking family about family yeah, trivia. Family facts. Family trivia. Um, so a little trivia about my late grandmother, the great Leatrice Isaacson. That's right. Not Beatrice, but Leatrice. How many Leatrices do you know, Lorraine? Mm, zero. Correct. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, when my grandma you was... You know the answer to that question. Yeah. That was a sort of rhetorical question, if you will. When my grandma was young... I love this story. It's just a, just a tiny story. When my grandma was young, 
her friend who she trusted, they were like gal pals in like middle school, her friend told her that like the secret to keeping her teeth clean and cavity free was to leave toothpaste on your teeth and not rinse your mouth okay. after brushing your teeth. Okay. So my grandma would brush her teeth as like a preteen and just leave the toothpaste on. And surprise, she got like insane cavities. Shit. Like she had like a mouthful of cavities. That's hilarious. I know, so dumb. But I think most oh, of them were the, at that no. point. No, they weren't baby teeth because she was like, fuck. You know, she was like in her early, yeah, she was probably like 11 through like, I don't know, 14 when this story takes place. So she had to get a bunch of her mouth. I remember her mouth was like full of cavity that fillings. That is devastating. Yeah, that's, it's a bummer. Why? So like, check your friend. I mean, do, honestly, like the takeaway from that story is, don't listen to a middle school girl, I don't think. About, no, yeah, never about anything. Never trust middle school girls. Yeah. Be like, be like, cite your sources. That's please. seriously crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, wow. Sorry, Leatrice. Yeah, sorry, Leatrice, but like, you still fly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll just tell you a little bit about my late grandfather, Fred Farmer. Ooh. This is my maternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. He joined the army in 1945 and he applied to train as a paratrooper. So he was doing like, airplane person stuff in the military. Yeah. Which always confused me when I was growing up because I was like, he's in the Air Force. And everyone's right. like, no, he's in the military. I'm like, but planes. And like, eh, military. Wait, so Army. Army, yeah. Yeah. Army oh, yeah. has planes. Army has planes, but right. they're not the Air Force. Not Air Force planes. Yeah. And cool. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he... Okay, okay, okay. Wait, would, did, would he have like a parachute strapped to him? So like if it, something happened, he'd be like... I'm pretty sure that's like how it works. I don't know. It would, no, I don't know for sure, but like I'm pretty sure. Like, you know those um those little toys, those like army men, and then they like have yeah, the yeah, backpack yeah. with the, the... And they're like pew pew! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was what he'd do. That he'd be like, he do. He'd be like flying and then he'd be like pew pew! pew, pew. And then... <laughs> yeah, I'm in a fucking paratroop to safety. I don't know. When you say paratroop, I think of parachute and that's... I'm pretty sure that that's like a part of it. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, why else would they be, like, army people in the air? You know I mean? They gotta get down. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't a podcast about the military. Like, we don't pretend to know. No. We don't pretend to know. But uh, but we're experts on those army toys. Yep. Okay, um, anyway, he remained in active duty for 29 years, and he completed two tours in duty in Vietnam, speaking of, because we were just talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. And he retired as a senior army aviator. And for his service in Vietnam, my grandpa received 34 air medals. That sounds Raise cool. Raise the roof, Fred Farmer. Did he have like a sick denim jacket with like all of the medals on it? He had all kinds of stuff. My grandma has it in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I should like ask her to, you know, show me around. Yeah. Like, show me the goods, Grandma Hilda. Get those medals, girl. So, yeah, that was What's Up with Trivia Time. Thanks. Bye. Jubus and Black Boos. I'm talking about Jubus and Black Boos. And Black Boos and Jubus. Blue, blue, blue. <laughs> ju, ju, ju. Okay. Uh, my Jubu is Albert Einstein. What's Whoa. up? What's up? Didn't Whoa. see that one coming. No, Just man. right out the gate. Albert <laughs> Einstein. Um... I'm really excited for the National Geographic series Genius that is coming out on the 25th. So, like, by the time this episode airs, it will have already come out. Uh, oh, you're looking at me. I did not know. Oh, yeah. About the series. Oh, it stars Jeffrey Rush as a very convincing looking Albert Einstein. Like, hold on. Look at this. Look at this shit. Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush playing Albert Einstein. Look at this. This is so good. 
That does look so good. Jeffrey Rush, you are so good at acting and looking like Albert Einstein. Oh um, my gosh, he nailed it. He nailed it. I'm really thrilled for this series, partly because I love Jeffrey Rush and partly because <laughs> I'm excited to like use my goddamn brain and learn more about Albert Einstein. Um, so I regret that although he is my Jubu, I don't know much about him besides the obvious stuff of E equals MC square, theory mm-hmm. of re- relativity. Cool hair. Hella smart, cool hair, kind of a weirdo, probably had Asperger's. I don't know, but I'll learn more about it in the Genius series. Sounds good to me. Uh, apparently he was like highly sexual and had a bunch huh? of mistresses and like really enjoyed him some sex. Get out of here. I did not know that. I know. Look at look at this ridiculous face. Wow. Look at this face. I know. Wow. What a goober. I mean, he's like such a cute man. I, I could see it. I mean, he, he <laughs> did have kind of a wild side. He like stuck out his tongue a lot and that, you, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like sends a message. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. It's basically like a middle finger, like a shocker. <laughs> Same diff. <gasps> uh, Albert Einstein, you crazy girl. All right, let's hear about your, your black boo. Okay, so my black boo is the jazz singer Abby Lincoln. Hmm. No, I just, this episode had me in sort of a musical headspace a little yeah. bit. And so I was listening to some, you know, I don't know, whatever. Why am I, why am I like blabbering on? Like I need to explain why Abby Lincoln is my black boo. Yeah, she just fed your thesis. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is, okay, so my boyfriend was just visiting. He is like during all these episodes that we've been recording, he has been studying in Paris and I have been like mostly solo doing my own routine but he came to visit this past week and he has like an obsession with buying records buying CDs and like he always clutters my car with CDs and he recently bought the Abby Lincoln album Abby is blue and he was like oh you should listen to this Abby Lincoln album it's like really good and I just like snapped because I'm like don't talk to me about Abby Lincoln. Like, I don't know Abby Lincoln. I know her work. My dad raised me to be listening to Abby Lincoln. I felt so defensive. I don't know why, though. I Whoa. guess. Did just, you know about Abby Lincoln? Yes. Though? Okay. Uh, it's just like her voice is just so like classic, iconic, like beautiful jazz lady singing. Mm. She, she, her, I don't know. Her music was very much in my soundscape growing up. And, um, that's just because my dad's super cool. Like, he's just really in when it comes to, like, jazzy stuff. That's and so cool. Yeah, and, and so, like, there are all these names that are obscure to other people that are, like, household, like, canonized names for me. Mm-hmm. And so when, like, my, like, hip white boyfriend is like, ooh, girl, like, you should try to listen to Let me Abby tell you Lincoln. about some black music. I'm like, psh, psh, nope. let me tell you about yeah. some black music. Sit down. Abby Lincoln is my black boo this week. Yep. <laughs> I am black and I can sing. Yes. Let me tell you about some black music. Oh my God. Her music is so beautiful though. Like if you guys in the room, like don't really, if you're not really hip to Abby Lincoln. I'm not. Just like turn on some Abby Lincoln is blue and like lay down and close your eyes and just be taken on a voyage. <laughs> is it kind of an homage? Is the Abby Lincoln is blue? Is that kind of like in reference to like Joni Mitchell blue or like Miles Davis kind of blue like either of those potentially possibly I don't know I mean or maybe not maybe blue is just a not a copyrighted feeling it's just like I I feel like blue is one of those like blues and jazzy concepts right like I'm not an expert but I feel like that's like a mood people are like yeah yeah, rhythm and blues I'm I'm stupid. So am All I. Right. That's fine. Abby Lincoln, she sounds dope. Thanks She's for the fucking tight. Yeah, everybody also, get out there. Let's like, just as a sort of, uh, I don't know, piggyback to that. Um, I know I do a Jubu and you do a Black Boo, but 
Um, have we mentioned Black Joy Mixtape on this podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. They were my Black Boo, I want to say the last time we recorded or oh, two yeah. times ago. Or so something. you taught me about them and I listened to them and I really like them. I'm so glad you like them. Yeah, they're great. Um, they're yeah. so fun. It, they're so fun. And they just like seem like they're having a great time and they're super knowledgeable and she have a great rapport, you know? Yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Hey everybody, um, this is Lorraine, and I've I'd like to introduce you to a new segment called Nah, man, it wasn't even like that. <laughs> a lot of times, like in Black history or Black current events, there's like a popular conception of how a thing went down, and like sometimes you gotta just step in and be like, Nah, man, it wasn't even like that. Like there are people out there who think that Josephine Baker was nothing more than a singer, dancer, entertainer, actor. That's a lot of things, but she was more than that, yo. Like in France in the 20s and 30s, people just kind of thought of her as being like, I don't know, like how we think of Britney Spears. Like she's just like fun, weird, crazy, right? But nah, man, it wasn't even like that. She was smart as hell. She knew how to do things. Okay, for one thing, in the United States, she was a civil rights mover and shaker. She was the first person of African descent to be a world-famous entertainer and star in a major motion picture. And at that same time, she refused to perform for segregated audiences. That's a huge deal. And at the same time, she was a spy helping the French resistance during World War II. Okay, do you understand this? She would go on tour around Europe, and while she was on tour, she would hide sensitive documents written with invisible ink, and she'd tuck it in between her sheet music. And she would also, like, she'd, like, okay, okay, to get these secret photographs of German military installations out of enemy territory, she'd pin them to her underwear and hide that shit in her luggage and underneath her clothes. And the immigration officers, they were like too busy being distracted by how famous and beautiful she was. They weren't searching her stuff that bad because she was a badass spy like that. So anyways, the next time someone tries to act like Josephine Baker was just some ditzy little singer dancer girl, you tell them nah, man, it wasn't even like that. goddesses done proud of us yep um hey guys thank you so much for listening to our podcast um we have some great reviews in itunes let's keep those going keep them coming please thank you for helping us out great review please subscribe that would be so cool um you can always Email us at learntuppodcast at gmail.com if you have any tips or suggestions for future episodes, any comments on past episodes. Follow us on social media at Learnt Up Podcast. Thank you, What's a Creative. Thank you, Alexis B. Preston, our stellar producer who keeps us on track and keeps us learning up. And thank you, Adam Isaacson, for making our theme music. Okay, bye, guys. See you next week. Later. Podcast Network.